I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello. How you doing, Pat? I'm alright, how are you? I'm very well and welcome all to a game of my life with Newcastle United legend Pat Howard. Pat, on this episode we're going to be focusing on the 1974 FA Cup final. ABBA were number one in the charts and on the 4th of May you met your Waterloo in the guise of Liverpool. Newcastle's six previous victories in the Cup are recorded in those history books on the shelf. But your record in your record-breaking 11th final appearance, sadly, history didn't repeat itself. Yeah, what a shame, mate. What a shame. Absolutely. But you had seven battles against five teams en route to your destiny. First up was Hendon. But how how excited were you to draw a non-league team given in 1972? And 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 how disappointed was it that it that that it wasn't Birmingham City that come out of the hat given a number of encounters yeah, early on in the season with Birmingham? We certainly played him a lot, you know, with all the different cup competitions, the League Cups and in the league as well, you know, all that kind of thing. We came across Birmingham quite a lot and uh, there were some bruising encounters, I can assure you of that with them. And Because uh, they were quite a physical team at the time, weren't they, Birmingham? Yeah, well, Frank, Frank Clark um, said of those encounters with Birmingham, very violent games. In fact, there was a, a, a leg break, there was sendings off, there was a number of injured players. It was almost you needed an ambulance on site for uh, just in case it did go over the top. And uh, and sadly, on, on a couple of those occasions, it did go on top. I was reading something in one of the Toon Times the other day. Pat Howard got Paul Hendry by the Brilliant. neck and tried to scran- strangle the life out of him. What, ha- what happened in that one? I don't know about that. It was just that, you know, they had quite a lot of physical players yeah. in there. There was like yeah. there was Hatton and uh, lads at the back, Gary Pendry. They, they were, you know, quite a physical team, to be honest. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it just used to get out of hand because it used to be a two-legged affair. It, and, uh, you know, with the players at our place and then we'd go down there like, you know, but there was a bit of bad feeling between us and Birmingham. Uh, so, but yeah, the, these games are competitive, aren't they? They and certainly are. If you're playing against a team quite a lot, yeah, you get one or two sort of vendettas. Yes. Uh, with different players, I don't remember doing that, but uh, yeah, I used to be able to stand up for myself. I must have met. Oh, absolutely. But they were quite physical. I, there was Bob Latchford there. It was a big lad, mm. and Kenny Burns. Yeah, you know all that kind of. They were that kind of team mm. and that kind of players. But uh, yeah, but uh, this is it when you come across teams a lot. Absolutely, you, to, you can get a bit annoyed with certain people, can't you? Yeah, you and can. We, we had a circumstance uh, at Newcastle against Birmingham where one of their players broke his leg. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it rebounded from that a bit. I think there was a bit of tension between the two clubs, to be honest. It was Tony Wanton. It was uh, Jimmy Smith who broke his leg in the first yeah, minute of the game. That that yeah. was in the um, Texaco Cup that you went on and, and won. You beat Burnley in the final 2-1 that season, didn't you? Yeah, it was. It was It was unbelievable, really, the first minute of the game. Yeah. Uh, I think Jinkies have always been very, very sorry about the way that it happened. But like I said, the bad feeling between the two clubs was there. Mm-hmm. And uh, he could look after himself, uh, Jinky Smith. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry what happened on that day. It put a dampener. Mm. It put a dampener on the on that match. And I think we ended up beating him easily. 
Yeah. Uh, it wasn't much of a game, though, to be honest, because it, it set a precedence with regard to, you know, what had happened. So, yeah, but that was... But, so, sorry, sorry, Pat. Yeah, you, you run out winners. Uh, you you drew at St Andrews one one. Then yeah. the game at St James's Park uh, was one one, but it was abandoned due to bad light. Then the other game was uh, was three one. You were three 0 up at half time with ten men. Absolutely battered Birmingham. But prior yeah. to that, you played Birmingham City in the league, and then you'd also played uh, at St Andrews and at St James's Park. I believe it went to extra time in the uh, in the League Cup. Malcolm missed the penalty, I believe, and Trevor didn't. And Blues ran out one 0 winner. So in the space of six weeks, you played Birmingham City six times. So it must have been a relief to to play Hendon in another cup competition. <laughs> what, the non-leaguers? Yeah, yeah. They, and they were top of their league at the time as well, wasn't they, Hendon? Yeah, uh, I think that that game there, you know the score of that game, don't you? Yes, 1-1. Yeah, I know. Who scored Newcastle's goal? Um, Me. Well... <laughs> <laughs> I think. It's that long ago. No, it was... What 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 we had, uh, me and Malcolm McDonald had a, had a thing about throw-ins because Malcolm all round so solid and so strong yeah. that uh, we had this little thing. If there's ever a throw-in opposite the 18-yard line uh, and you're going to take it, I'll be making the run. So we had that all planned and that game there, he's got it wide on the right-hand side and I've just left my position at the back and I've just gone on a run, and he's thrown it straight in, and I've managed to get my head on it and knock it in. Yep. So, uh, yeah, uh, we went close quite a few times because he could throw a ball, Malcolm McDonald. A lot of people I mean, don't realise, but he had actually recorded, at the time, the longest throwing in history. Yeah. Yes, yes. Didn't I? And we, we used to try and cash in on it, though, yeah. to be honest. Uh, I mean, I was probably better at heading the ball... Coming onto it than Malcolm was. It wasn't yeah. one of his strengths. But as a defender, you're running onto something. Yeah. And we, we caused quite a few problems with his long throw ins. Yeah. So, okay. uh, super Mac, eh? Super Mac. Super Mac and a super thrower as well. But in the replay, you you ran out 4 0 comfortable winners, yeah. didn't you? Uh, yeah. Away at Hendon. We beat them easy, yeah. But there was a bit of a scare at Newcastle thinking, well, you know, it's only one apiece kind of thing. Yes. If, if they sneak, we'll know, whatever. Uh, but we managed to see them off, which uh, which was good. And then in the in the uh, the fourth round, you played again, struggled against Scunthorpe. But if we're looking at Liverpool in the third round, they struggled against Doncaster. Now you'd played Doncaster Rovers in the League Cup, and. Um, Frank Clark had scored his first goal, which was the six, because Terry Curran, a young Terry Curran, played in that game against you. He also played in the game against Liverpool, and Liverpool were so close to being knocked out by Doncaster in the third round of the FA Cup. So both of you in the early rounds were very close to um, to not yeah. get into the final. <laughs> That's true, that. When you play the, the lesser opposition, yeah. uh, you know, you've got to watch your back, haven't you? Yeah, you have. And- with you mentioning that's quite funny. You mentioning that about Frank Clark. That was his his first goal he'd ever scored for Newcastle, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And it was absolutely deafening once he'd knocked it in. <laughs> I, I I jumped as much as to say to myself, "What what's all that noise about? What what's?" And then and then I realised it was the first time Frank had ever scored for the club, which uh, went down really well. Which was a brilliant day for him. And on that day, Malcolm had scored that trick, and he, you're right, he got a bigger reception scoring that first goal than yeah, Malcolm's did. third, didn't he? He did, yeah. He did. Four, yeah. Fourth round, you played against Scunthorpe. Again, a 1 1 draw at St. James's Park. Yeah. And um, yeah. local kids in the second game, in the replay, were given half a day off school to attend the match. So, again, a, a cackle of noise from a load of school kids. Yeah, that's right as well. That he says, yeah, yeah, there were there were loads of kids there, weren't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but luckily we had Malcolm again, didn't we? And uh, we we managed to sort him out. But you put your neck on the line, uh, Gabby, don't you, when you're yeah. playing non-league opposition? Yeah, like over the past, we've mentioned Hereford, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That ball was in And you know, ne- never take anything for granted. 
not that we did. Mm. It's just that, uh, you know, if you're on a, a certain level of, of play, you don't want the lesser part-time people knocking you out of the FA Cup when you're a professional, you know, a first division professional team. Absolutely. So, uh, but the FA Cup brings that into it, doesn't it? It's There's a, been a few shocks over the years, haven't there? Oh, it's been an absolute leveller, hasn't it, over the years? And going into the future, there will be um, cup shocks uh, going forward as well. For those teams of, of lesser opposition, getting drawn out of the hat, especially at a place like St James's Park, it is their cup final. It is their cup final, yes, it is. And some of them yeah. will never play in a game of that magnitude ever again. So they raise their game unbelievably. And you're right, if you don't match it, then you could catch a cold. Yeah, definitely. It's always been the same, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. It always will be. It's football, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. So you've got to, so long as you've got a good team and you, you, you give a good performance, uh, you don't want to be sort of. Not not play well at all, yeah. have a poor performance and, and you get beat. But um, you've got to give them a little bit of credit, haven't they? Like you just said, they, they raise the game, don't mm-hmm. they? They yeah. raise the game and the occasions there, isn't it? There's 45,000 there at oh, Newcastle, yeah, yeah. maybe 50,000 there, Yeah. this game. And, they're, they're, you know, they're on a real high. And uh, But you've got to sort them out, haven't you? You've got to sort them out. You certainly have, and you've sorted out West Bromwich Albion in yeah. the uh, in the fifth round, three 0 at the Hawthorns. Did you ever have you ever seen the, a rerun of that? No, I haven't. I've seen because... that. We played we played absolutely brilliant that day. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. We murdered them, West Brom, and uh, you know we got some good goals, and that was a cracking result for us. That one, and I think that gave us a a lot of confidence, you know, to go into the semi final. That one. But it was a, a really, really good performance from us. And a and, difficult, uh, tricky game, isn't it, to go to uh, West Brom? Because, you know, probably not in the greatest of shapes back in 1974, but but still, a you know, a great football club and a, and a, and a very, very tricky game to uh, to, to play against or, or to play in, isn't it? it? It is really. I mean, they were a quality side, weren't they? I mean, there's some good players when you start thinking about the players they've got. But on the day, we mm-hmm. played well in midfield and we got the chances. I think Tudor, Barraclough, I think they scored. I don't know if Malcolm got one, but we, we beat him quite easily. Yeah. Uh, so, but that that was a good day at the office, wasn't it? You know, but you have bad days, don't you? You have Absolutely. bad days. But that was a particularly good game for us, that one, and it was a cracking result. Well, I'm guessing Malcolm did score the other goal along with uh, with John and Stuart because Malcolm did score in every round of the Cup apart from the final that we're going to get to shortly. So you've beaten West Bromwich Albion. So you've played Hendon. You've played Scunthorpe. You've gone to yeah. the Midlands. You've played West Bromwich Albion. You then draw another Midlands team out of the hat, Nottingham Forest, again at St James's Park. All right, he's just that... playing Forest. <laughs> funny you should mention that. Somebody's mentioned that before. That was a little bit controversial <laughs> as well, wasn't it, Pat? <laughs> it was slightly, yeah. It was slightly, yeah, yeah. Not uh, that... that was a, a game and a half. That we've discussed this before. We haven't certainly we? have, yeah, 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 yeah. But that was. Um, I don't know if people are still talking about that that, that day. It was just we on that day we got off to such a bad start, and then one uh, nil, and then I think it became two nil, and then two one, and then like I've, I've told you in the past, you know, yeah. the they get a penalty, and it's going to make it three one if they score the penalty, and I start arguing the toss with Gordon Q, yeah. who is the referee then, and you know voices. Uh, my language probably wasn't that good I didn't think it was a penalty I thought Duncan McKenzie is stood in the way of David Craig and just let David Craig run into him but he gave the penalty and uh, you know I just lost my head and started ridiculing him saying that's never a penalty what what are you giving that for obviously if they take the penalty and score 3-1 we're in a lot of trouble then so but anyway I I kept on and on you I'm going to send you off and I just said I'm not going to go off at all, I'm sending you off. I'm not going to go off. I said, if you if you send me off, you'll start the biggest riot ever in football. Here, you, mm-hmm. here, me there. So quite forthright, and probably I'm out of order. 
and you can't talk to referees like that. But I was infuriated yeah. with the decision. Yeah. And then, yeah, so they, they get the penalty and the score, and it's 3-1. And before you know it, as I've run off down the tunnel, and uh, before you know it, the next few minutes, all the crowd ran onto the pitch. There was thousands of them on the pitch, running to the Nottingham Forest end there. I don't think there's too much fighting going off, but it was just a, a case of the Newcastle fans showing that uh, they di- disagreed with the result and obviously me getting sent off. Now, you were taken off the play. I mean, you were sent off, but the players were taken off for something like 15, 20 minutes, I believe. Come back onto the pitch and you ran out 4-3 winners. Nottingham Forest then put a complaint in to, right. the, uh, to the FA and they ordered you to play the game again. They didn't order you, really, in effect, to replay it. They just null and voided that game, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They and, did, yeah. And they made you play it at Goodison. Now, I've spoken yeah. to Malcolm. Malcolm was quite surprised, look, looking at it now retrospectively, that the FA ordered you to play at a neutral ground, because Malcolm said, well, surely you should have gone to the city ground. But it was decided, Goodison Park, you drew that nil-nil. Did you miss that game, Pat, and then played in played, the game when you won? I played in the first. I played in the first one. Got you. The nil-nil. Yeah. And then I was suspended then. Yeah, got you. When the, then did Malcolm Malcolm score, didn't he? Malcolm three scored. Three years later. Yeah. Three yeah. years later, one-nil, and they managed to sort him out. But I played in the first one, and but didn't play in the second one. Mm. So, uh, but Malcolm there again, you see. So. So it's nice to have him in your team, isn't it? <laughs> Which is quite mad because in them days it was slightly different because the cards had to go in, didn't they? And then you didn't automatically miss the game. Today you would have missed that game and, and well, it was straight red. It would have probably been three games that you'd missed. So you'd have missed both of those games. Yeah. But a game you didn't miss was the semi-final. So we're leading up to the final now. Burnley, it's at Hillsborough. And again, a brace from Supermac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a big, a big match. It was a big crowd as well. There was thousands of Geordies there, and Burnley. I think Burnley sold quite a lot of their tickets. Yeah. But we were, you know, we were, you know, the the fans there were unbelievably on the spy and cop end at Sheffield yeah. Wednesday, unbelievable. But what a game it was! Uh, I think we got away with it a little bit, to be honest. Mm. But then, like you just said, we had the the man himself. Who got on the end of a couple of couple of goals and we we got through, but it wasn't a straightforward situation. Ian McFall played well, I think they hit the post once, yeah. and uh, we were quite fortunate at times. But then we ended up, like I say, Malcolm got a runaway with the best pass I've ever seen in my life. Yes, from Terry Hillett. Bobby Monkers headed the ball out from a, a long ball in from Burnley. And it, Terry Ibbitz let it drop in our own half. But what a left foot he had. Yeah. And Malcolm's is he, ready for a run. And he hit it. He half volleyed this ball. Mm. And he hit it over Colin Waldron. And uh, Malcolm's onto it. And he's flying away. He has one shot and it comes back to him. And then he knocks it in on the second attempt. But, you know, this is what, you know, Malcolm McDonald was all about, wasn't it? He, he could get the vital goals. He used to put his. He always used to say to us when we used to get on to him about his work rate. All he'd say, look at everybody in the face, just put your goals on the table. That's what <laughs> I'm here to do. Get your goals on the table. But uh, they're, they're great days, aren't they? And then the, as the whistle goes, and then we're coming off, and we are going to Wembley. Yeah. Which is a boyhood ambition of mine was that I would always would have never dreamt I was going to be a footballer, would be to play at Wembley in an FA Cup final and have achieved, achieved that goal, which was fantastic. And the fans there, our fans, the magnificent fans all the time, but they were ecstatic with regard to the result. And uh, I was really, really pleased for them. Because Newcastle had a great history of being, well, not just a, a great league team, but a, a great cup team. And the last time that they yeah. played in the FA Cup, of course, was in uh, 1955. So it was the first, it was a return to Wembley, 19 years on from uh, from that time where uh, I believe the, the great Jackie Milburn would have been wearing the number nine shirt instead of the great Malcolm McDonald. Yeah, that's true. What was the 
what was the the bath like in 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 that semi final? Because again, in today we, the players will have a shower and they're out, but you see such joyous. Um, photographs now Terry Curran posted one up with Sheffield Wednesday being promoted they're all in the bath the bath was the staple the bubbly would be going everybody would be in the bath the celebration it's almost job done isn't it to get to Wembley because again in those days the semi-final was at a neutral ground and not Wembley how different was that Pat you know being there at a neutral ground then you know you're on your road to Wembley I think that the thing was knowing that we we were so well supported. Yes. I mean, uh, all the tickets flew out, you know, for the semi-final, and it, it was all right. You've got to play on another ground, you know. But I think Burnley obviously don't get the, the bigger, they haven't got as big a fan base as Newcastle. No, they're not as big a club. They, all, they seemed on the day there seemed to be twice more yeah. Newcastle fans than Burnley. So it was, you know, you you have to play on a neutral ground because they're the rules aren't they yes that, that's what you've got to do mm-hmm. so you get there feels a good pitch all right and away we went so uh yeah it, it, playing at home yeah as it obviously has its advantages but knowing that you play on a neutral ground was was fair comment really and it doesn't take it away from that Wembley occasion, I would have thought, because when you play the semi-final at Wembley, then play the final at Wembley, I just think, as a fan, it must yeah. take something away from the final occasion, because back in the 70s, it was all about the FA Cup and getting to the final, the road to the final. The final day, we'd get up, we'd, we'd turn the television on, and, and from 9 o'clock yeah. in the morning... All the way through, we'd watch the players arrive at Wembley. You'd probably have a comedian on the bus that have football it to knock out. And, and it was just a magical day, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was. It was the FA Cup final. Yeah, it definitely was, yeah. Uh, our build-up, uh, I don't know if you, you knew this, we went away for a week's yes. training. Yep. Which, uh, you know, maybe over the years you look back and think, well, I don't know whether that was a great idea or what, you know, because we, you're away from your family and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I suppose if we'd have won, we'd have said, yeah, it's the best thing we ever did, going away on a, a week uh, training course kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, it's it's on the day, though, Gary, isn't it? It's on the day. Well, uh, what, what happened the year before is that Sunderland got to the yeah. FA Cup final and they spent the week down there didn't they as well? So I think possibly the Newcastle directors have thought, well, Sunderland done it, Newcastle will do it. But as Malcolm McDonald said to me, Newcastle in Sunderland. Yeah, yeah. I think they did copy Sunderland's idea there, Yeah, thinking that was the best way forward. Now, whether it was or not, but, um, you know, that you're leaving behind your, your family and your tickets yep. and, and getting organised and all mm. that kind of stuff. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, but but like you say, get get into Wembley and we on the bus to the ground and all that kind of stuff. The memories that you'll never ever forget, which uh, are brilliant, and it, it's it's great talking about them now. Now the fourth the fourth <laughs> of May, yeah, the fourth <laughs> of May has arrived. Newcastle United versus Liverpool, managed well Newcastle managed by Joe Harvey. Liverpool, managed by Bill Shankly. We didn't realise at the time, but that was going to be Bill's last competitive game as manager yeah. of, uh, of Liverpool Football Club. Newcastle United previously had appeared in 11 FA Cup finals and won six, which was a record appearance uh, of 11 at the time. Liverpool, yeah, yeah. Liverpool had been in five and only won it once in uh, 65. So Shankly brought the first FA Cup to Liverpool. The teams that day, um, I'll give you the Liverpool team. It was Ray Clements, Tommy Smith, Alec Lindsay, Phil Thompson, Peter Cormack, Emlyn Hughes, Kevin Keegan, Brian Hall, Steve Highway, John Toshak and Ian Callaghan. Sub was Chris Lawler. Now, that is a fantastic team. You had a fantastic team as well. Can you remember your 11 on the day? Funnily enough, I've got the programme in front of me because I knew you'd be asking me a few <laughs> things. Yeah. yeah, I've got it here. Yeah, I've got five, 
five programmes as well. Wow. Must be, must be worth a few quid. These they five. will be, yeah. Hey, they're in good nick as well. Yeah. Uh, so, Mac Fall, Grant Clark, yep. Alan Kennedy, yep. Tony McDermott, yep. myself, yep. Bob Munker, yep. Tommy Cassidy, yep. Jinky Smith, yep. Malcolm MacDonald, yep. John Tudor, yep. and Terry Ibbitt. Correct. That was our team, wasn't it? And the sub was? And the sub, well, I've got Alan Kennedy down here, but the sub was because uh, David Craig was injured. And Tom, uh, Frank Clark went to right back, and, and uh, Alan Kennedy came in at left back. I'm just trying to think who the sub is. Stuart Barraclough? Tommy Gibb. Tommy Gibb, yeah. yeah. Mm. What happened to Stuart? Was he injured? Because Stuart was a really um, yeah, important think, cog in that Newcastle team, wasn't he? I think it's just that Joe Harvey chose to, to go with, you know, maybe a slightly different system. Mm. But it was a great avenue for getting out, Stuart, weren't it? Because he had the yeah. pay. Yeah. And he get down the wing and that. But I think what on the day I think we concentrated on midfield a little bit and I don't think we caused him any problems uh, uh many problems attack attacking wise. So but uh, no he was unlucky Stuart and uh I've seen I've seen a, a clip of it since and he sat next to Joe Harvey on the on our bench with uh, Keith Birkinshaw and you can see that he, he's Wishing that he was playing, mm. but there you go. You sat on the line side, and uh, no. But Tommy Gibb was the uh, sub, was he? Now Keith Birkinshaw, he was he was the coach, wasn't he? Um, yeah, he was our coach. Yeah. Did he have much input into the uh, the naming of the team with with Joe Harvey? Not sure, uh, Gabby. To be honest, mm. mate, uh, I think he had good good influence with Joe. Yeah. Um, what it used to be on a daily basis, Keith would take the training, the coaching, whatever, yeah. and Joe would come up uh, still with his, his his suit on and stuff like that mm. and just watch what was going on and then say things to Keith with regard to how he saw things and Keith would, you know, whatever Joe wanted, Keith would do, you know, in training and stuff like that. So Joe was a little bit distant, but Keith, Keith had a, a shout in everything that we did. Now, again, Udi has always maintained this. A coach is a coach and a manager is a manager. Yeah. Clearly, that's what happened in a lot of clubs. Bill Shankly didn't do the training. He didn't do the coaching. Bill yeah. Shankly was a manager. Bill, by the sounds of how Joe was, Bill was very similar. And I exactly. think that people don't yeah. understand that. That As fans, they just think, oh, Joe Harvey was the manager. Bill Shankly was their manager. They must do all the coaching and that. It don't work like that, does it? It didn't work like that then, Gary, mm. no. No, it didn't. The, the, your coach was the one that sort of would influence systems of play, who was going to be playing, and then pass that message on, on to the manager. And yeah. I think we were we were no different. Yeah. But uh, he was a good disciplinarian, Joe Harvey. If he, if he told you off, he meant it. And, uh, you know, we were all a little bit wary of him. But a, a good fella to play for, a great bloke, and so was Keith Birkinshaw as well. Now, the purple tracksuits, what's the story behind that? I know what Malcolm's story was. <laughs> As Malcolm mentioned that one, yeah. yeah I asked Malcolm about it. Yeah, oh dear, that caused a bit of a problem, that, because as we're on this week's coaching before the final, uh, we've got the, the uh, tracksuit people there, and they brought a tracksuit. I don't think we picked the colour, but the colour of the tracksuit was purple. It was a director, um, wasn't it, that had a, a sports shop? And, and, I think it was, yeah. yeah, yeah and I and think these were was, unsold, yeah. they couldn't sell them. And they're right, that's it, yeah, that's the story, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, and everybody hated them. Yeah? Didn't, didn't want to wear them kind of attitude towards these purple tracksuits. Oh, dear. Because but, Malcolm was trying to get, you know, um, tracksuits and one or two little other things that, that could earn the players a few quid yeah, uh, it was, wasn't it? with yeah, his contacts. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it would have been a great thing for the players. But the Newcastle board had got other ideas, as Malcolm uh, told me. And 
one of the directors had got a sportswear shop. A little bit like what yeah. Newcastle United's owner today, yeah. And these yeah. were yeah. unsold. They were oversized as well. And Malcolm said <laughs> the bottoms were that big, we couldn't even put them on. <laughs> Oh dear, yeah. Did you get him on about the tracksuit? Yeah, did you I, I, I done a, I done a my seventies show like I've done yeah. with you, um, and we we yeah. talked about that. We also talked about the build up because there was um, suggestions by the Liverpool uh, defenders that Malcolm had been mouthing off in the press and telling them what he was going to do to them. But um, Malcolm's version is very different because Malcolm had. Uh, a column in a paper and it was the other paper that was chucking the mud at Liverpool and um, saying things that Malcolm hadn't said. But history tells us that in 1971, on Malcolm's debut at St James's Park, he scored a hat-trick against Liverpool. So Malcolm would have been buoyed to play against Liverpool because Malcolm McDonald didn't fear anybody. He'd scored no, 25 he goals that season. And Malcolm was always good for 20 goals every season, wasn't he? He was, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. The uh, his first game for Newcastle was against Liverpool, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was, and yeah. And he, he ended up getting three goals, didn't he? Yeah. And I think they tried to relate that story I mean, Malcolm would say a few things, and I think it got blown out of all. Yeah, yeah. You know, blown out of, of all. What's the word I'm looking proportions. for? Proportions. Yeah, all proportions, and uh, yeah, but they, they try to blame people, don't they? Afterwards, and we we sorted him out, and him that he said this, and and all that. But uh, like you say, going back to them tractors, they weren't the best at all, Gabby. I don't think you'd even worn one. <laughs> I mean, I'm like 10 stone ringing wet. I mean, I put on a little oh, yeah. bit of weight these days. So I could have camped in them. And I think I think Terry Ibbitt, I was probably about the same size as Terry Ibbitt. Yeah, he yeah, must have been Terry. tucking into them, uh, them tracksuit tops and <laughs> trying to keep off the camera lens. What, so what was it like the day? Because you get to Wembley, you're out on the pitch, you're looking at the pitch, aren't you? You're usually wearing your suits, but you've got your purple tracksuits on. What what was that occasion like? Did, did you feel overawed with the occasion? Did you rise to the occasion? I know the results suggest you didn't and the performance suggests yeah. that you didn't. But before the game, you must have been uber confident. I think it, it was game on. Yes. I, I, w- I would have thought game on. But uh, when you the, the thing about on when you in the in the team bus driving up to Wembley and you go Wembley way there, uh, it does start to make your ticker go a little bit quicker, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Because it is big time, isn't it? Mm. And and the streets were all lined on there, and we're here uh, on the on the bus looking through the window. Everybody was having a wave and all that. And, you know, it really felt the big time, which it is, isn't it? Yes. There's 100,000 people yeah. going to be there. But it is quite a nervy, nervy situation. Anybody to say that I wasn't nervous or anything like that would would be telling lies because you can see the scale of, of the match, the amount of people there well before kickoff time because we got there earlier like you do. And then when I went down the tunnel and we went we all went down the tunnel to go and have a look at the pitch you felt this is the big time this yeah. and uh wouldn't it be nice if we could win uh but there we're out on the pitch everybody's nervy uh chatting this that and the other uh, and then you go back in knowing that you're going to come out with your strip on in front of a hundred thousand people and uh it's something every every person that you would think of that plays football would have wanted to be in that situation playing in that kind of game and uh, it was a highlight of my football career all right we didn't win but being able to you know to play there in front of so many people was uh, mind-boggling did bill shankley stare you down did you see bill before the game because he he used to like to be by the opponent's uh, dressing room door, didn't he? And, and and just have a look and see what was going on. A little bit like what Klopp does today, where he stands on the pitch and he's staring down the opposition. Bill was very much like that, wasn't he? I think he was, yes. He was, uh, 
he'd like to see just how the uh, other team are shaping up and yeah. you can sense any nerves and yeah. stuff like that then he'd relate it back to his own team I remember being at Liverpool and uh, you know we were we were playing obviously Newcastle playing Liverpool in the league and uh, it was very warm very warm in our dressing room I don't know if it was a summer's day or what and I sort of went outside and he was there and I just said, excuse me, sir, uh, is there any way that you can uh, get the eating turned off uh, in our dressing room? And he says, aye, I'll get the eating turned off for you. And then we're going to we're gonna sort you out out there. Yeah, so we got, no, that was the words I was looking for. And we're going to roast you out there. Yeah, he said that to me. Yeah, I'll turn that off, but we're going to roast you when we get out there. And I thought, yeah, yeah, we'll see about that. But he was quite right, actually. The beaters, I think, the beaters two nil or three nil. So, but yeah, he was like that. He used to hang around just to see what made the other team tick a bit. So, but uh... <laughs> he was a he was a canny old fox and operator, wasn't he, Bill Shankly? That yes, season, you played Liverpool on the sixth of October at Anfield, and Liverpool ran out two one winners. So October, it was. Um... You know, it probably was a very uh, hot afternoon in Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> but lots of teams got roastings at Anfield, didn't they? You know, they, they were a fantastic team. What the match started, how did um how did how did you shape up? What was it like the early moments of the FA Cup final, the kickoffs here and bang you're into the game? I think you just wanted just to have an early touch. Yeah. If you could. Yeah. And just uh yeah, you were just on adrenaline, really, just chasing about and not not wanting to make a mistake, and until he settles down a little bit, kind mm. of thing. But it's a very nervy situation, like you say, playing in front of so many people, mm. and you you obviously didn't want to make a mistake. So I don't I don't think we knocked it about too much in the early stages of the game. You used to get it up long, and uh, you know try and push up a little bit, but uh, yeah. You just want your first touch to be a good one, don't you? And you played up against Kevin Keegan and John Toshak, Batman and yeah. Robbie. Yeah, my, my job was really to keep an eye on Toshak. Yeah. Yeah, because obviously uh, Joe I used to give me jobs like that week in, week out. You know, if people were uh, decent in the air, which, yeah. you know, I have to say, I think people would say I was decent in the air, you know. So yeah, I would right. get that job of picking, like, if it was Toshak or Keegan. It would be me, Toshak, from, you know, from throw-ins, from corners, from free kicks. Pat, I want you to... And uh, Keegan used to drop off a little bit, didn't he? Mm, yeah. Drop off a little bit. But I used to get the job of, of sorting, uh, you know, the, the main striker out, airily. And, uh, yeah, he wasn't a bad player, though, Toshak, was he? No, he was very good. I mean, that liver... But both teams were very good, to be fair. You, you look at the two teams and they're very, very... Evenly matched, aren't they? Newcastle United had some great match winners. You know, great midfield and a great defence as well. And two of the players went on to play for Liverpool and won European Cups, Alan Kennedy, of course, and and Terry Mack. Yeah, yeah, they were in our team that day, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, it's just on the day, I think, uh, Gabby, really. You know, like it was nil-nil at half-time and I can remember walking off at half-time thinking that it's it's not much entertainment for all these fans here, but uh, we're not playing that well, but uh, Liverpool aren't playing well as well. I still thought, walking off at half-time, there's every chance here that we can win this. Yeah, we weren't playing that. well, and they weren't playing well, mm. but it was all about the, uh, you know, what happened in the second half. And, uh, yeah, I think we just fell apart a little bit. So what uh-huh. did happen in that second half? What changed the game? Was it the fact that um, you'd had to make tactical adjustments to the full-back area and Stuart Barraclough wasn't playing, who you'd get the ball and he would take you higher up the pitch? Steve Highway was a tremendous player. Yeah. Did Steve in that second half really come to life and find that little bit of pockets of space? Yes, I think you're right there. I think... Uh... It was going okay. It was a, a real stalemate for a, a good period of time, and then they started attacking down the the wings a bit more, yeah. and uh, they were getting men in the box as well. Yeah. And we we weren't doing a lot of attacking, and uh, the first goal 
I think it would come down the right hand side there and not along the six yard line and I'm with I, I get the foot across someone who's got an empty net but then behind us we're not organised behind me kind of thing we're not organising Keegan's left with a little tapping yeah. kind of thing but I'd, I'd block one of the players I don't know if it was Cormac or something like that he, he would have scored I left Osher and I went to Cormac uh, just to block block him off yeah. so that he couldn't get his foot on it but then I've had to sort of wince out the way to let the ball come across the six yard box mm. and Keegan's there on my on my left hand side and nobody's picking him up so he's got an easy side footer so uh, and then I think one of the goals it, it was came from the the right wing again I think and uh, it got pulled back and Kevin Keegan rifled it in didn't he yeah, I, I believe that one was the third goal. And, the third yeah, goal? Brian, the one that he rifled in, because Brian Hall, he, he ducked down, didn't he? And the ball went straight over him into Newcastle's net, and it was it was 3-0. I think the first goal was Steve Highway. I think Steve scored the first Steve one. Highway, Kevin, yeah. Kevin Keegan scored the second. That one, he's just one. peeled off, and he's just knocked it in. And then the yeah. third one, he's, he's just like laced it over Brian Hall, who's ducked under and uh, and that's it, game over. But when you go 2-0 down against Liverpool in any game, you know you're up against it, aren't you? Yeah, without a doubt, yeah. I don't... I don't I, I've only ever watched the, the match once. Because, right. you know, like, over the years, you think, I'm not watching that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. It's a bad day at the office. Yeah. I've only ever watched it once. But I think looking through it, we didn't get me, create many chances, did we? No, you didn't. I think so, Malcolm only had... I think one or possibly two shots at goal and um, the ball ended up in the supporters' arms behind that goal. Yeah. It just wasn't a day for Newcastle that day. No, it wasn't, was it? No. And, and you just get it like that, Pat. But the one thing is, Newcastle United got to the final and, um, you know, it's it's not, as you alluded to earlier, it's not every schoolboy, every player every footballer, every pro that manages to play in a Wembley FA Cup final? No, it's not, is it? No. It's a great privilege, but you've worked hard over over your career, haven't you? you know, and you, yeah, you have, have yeah. To get to Wembley, you know, like the, all the cup rounds you've got to go through, all the, you know, the, the Knox Forest and the Burnleys and all that. You have to fight through that to get there, haven't yeah. you? Yeah, and, but, and you have to fight through the, the whole of the season. And in that season, 73-74, uh, do you know how many games you played? Was it over over 60? 61 games. 61 games. Yeah. It sounds a lot, doesn't it? It's, it's an incredible <laughs> amount of games. It tied me out writing them all down, Pat, I'll be honest with you. You, you played in 55 of those 61 games. <laughs> There's only one player that played more than you. He played 59. Do you know who that was? Was that Malcolm? No, it was uh, Ian McFall. Really, the keeper. But was his oh, name he... Ian or Willie? No, that was his nickname, that. Liam. What, what do we say? I'm, I'm, I'm sure he was IAM, wasn't it? Because Newcastle yeah, United, yeah, it was the first game that I ever watched Birmingham City versus Newcastle, 15th of August 1972. And I remember this goalkeeper, and I thought, well, what a funny name he's got. Yeah, Ian McFall. Yeah, Ian McFall. Yeah. Yeah, so was his yeah. nickname Willie? Yeah, that was his nickname, yeah. Yeah, that was his nickname. Who was the joker of the packet? What was the dressing room like? What was the camaraderie? I think like? the joker, of the, joker of the, in the pack was probably Terry Ibbett. Yeah. And then, you know, there, there always used to be a bit of uh, uh, comments with Malcolm Malcolm and that. Mm. Yeah, well, there were quite a few characters in there. Terry Mako was had plenty to say, and Jinky Smith. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I suppose I did to a, a degree. And it, that's, that's where you... That's how your team is, isn't it? You, you, yeah. you see everybody every, nearly every single day training. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you're always taking the mickey out of people, aren't you? You know, kind of thing. Malcolm was always one that you would aim things at, like, you know. Yeah. So uh, I remember Terry Hibbert saying to him, we were losing at, at Wolves, and, uh, you know, he, he, he just said something at half-time. He says, Superman, £180,000 worth of fireworks, you. You. <laughs> <laughs> Malcolm, 
he got up so he's going to going over to sort him out like you know and we're all going no no hey steady on mal no no he's only joking he's only joking he says i'm not joking <laughs> yeah so but uh yeah happy days aren't they yeah because there's always like in the dressing room i had the good uh, pleasure and privilege of talking to paul fletcher and one of the uh, the shows who you would have come up against and marked in the yeah, semi-final. And he, yeah. he says to me in the dressing room, you'd always have a ladies' man, you'd have a dresser, you'd have the Englishman, the Irishman, the Scotsman, the Welsh. Every dressing room was the same, no matter where you played your football. Who, who was who was the dresser of the uh, of the Newcastle United dressing room? Ah, uh, that's a good one. Uh, right, uh, just trying to think who was the dresser. Malcolm, Malcolm was a bit of a dresser because he he was in partnership with a, a menswear shop, weren't he? Yeah, yeah. And Malcolm was a bit of a dresser. I'm just saying that Jinky Smith. Oh, I say Jinky Smith. All us looked the part. Yeah. You know, like all us very smart and yeah, yeah. I would say him. Frank Clark was as well. You know, he he used to look look the business. Yeah. Uh, I suppose me to a certain degree, I might have been included in that. But uh, that's the that's the way it was, wasn't it? Yeah, look smart. And in we most, play 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 smart, look smart. Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Now, ordinarily in uh, in a football season, the FA Cup final brought the curtain down, but you still had one game to play, didn't you? You played Tottenham the week after. I think we did. Yeah, mm. I think we did. Yeah, your memory's better than mine, Gabby. Well, I've, yeah, I've looked it. We, I've looked it up. I think we did. Yeah, yeah you yeah, you, you got beat two 0 in that game against Tottenham, but it must have been an absolute anticlimactic game where you'd almost think, Gaffer, I can't even bother to put my boots on. I'm on the beach now. Because <laughs> yeah. players are like that. You've had your cup final. The last thing you want to do, especially if you've got beat, go and play. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur at White, at um, sorry, not at White Hart Lane. It was at um, St James's Park. It's not what you want, is it? No, it's not what you want. Win but... the cup, we'll parade it. Absolutely happy days. Let the champagne flow, but it's like a bit like after the Lord Mayor show, isn't it? It is really, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it is. And I think what with with our team and uh, the manager Joe Joe Harvey, he didn't used to shuffle it too much. Yeah. I mean, we we had a few extra players, but it, it nearly was the same team all the time. Instead of bringing like they do now, I mean, they've, they've all got big squads, haven't they? Yeah. And they they can lesser it for for the ones that are regulars. You can give them a little bit of a breather. But yeah. I never had that feeling at all. If I was fit, I played every game. Yeah. And uh, which I suppose, from the boss's point of view, Joe Harvey's point of view, he he, he liked me. He liked me and he wanted me in the team. But he, he would never sort of, oh, Pat, you, you give it a miss this weekend. No, no, we'll bring someone. Never, ever. So, but uh, it's nice to be wanted, isn't it? Absolutely. But they but didn't change the teams much, Gabby, in them days. Absolutely. And players don't want to have rest days. Players want to keep playing. And, and I suppose when you're playing the amount of games that, that you played in, in that season, 61, as we've said, in total, there's not much training in between games because you're playing a game every couple of three days throughout the season. That's exactly true, that. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't a lot of hard training or anything like that. It was a case of get there, a nice warm up, and we get on the uh, the small little area playing five a side. But there was never anything too strenuous because you were always having to get preparing for a game within the next couple of days, and that was the case then, uh, Gary. Yeah, it was the case. And of course, you'd done all your hard training pre-season that prepared you for a long, arduous battle a war of attrition of first division football season was players that were on the periphery squad players um ray hudson was was there in your squad at the time wasn't he yes he was he was a good young player he was yeah but it, it wasn't easy for him to break into the first team was it no it was a good player i liked him mm. yeah i did like him Alan played then, against him in America and said, I'll tell you what, Paul, he said, he was some player, Ray Hudson. Eh? We never got in that Newcastle team, but he was, you know, he was a good player. But again, yeah, was, you yeah. had a good you had a good team and it was difficult to break into teams in those days. Yeah, definitely. I mean we Terry McDermott, aren't we? 
with Terry Hill, yeah. we got Tommy Cassidy. Absolutely, we got yeah. Tommy Gibb. Yeah. And then eventually we got Tony Green, which, uh, you know, all right, he wasn't really midfield. He was more of a midfield striker kind of thing. But we had some good players there for so for, for young Ray Hudson, who was younger than us, for him to get into the team, it was a difficult task. But like you say, he made a good name for himself in America, didn't he? Oh, he certainly did. Um, Tony Green, how good was uh, was Tony? And it was a shame that his career was was finished uh, by bad injury, wasn't it? Yeah, he was different class. I mean, everybody you speak to at Newcastle now says that he's the best player Newcastle has ever had, mm-hmm. and that might include Jackie Milburn and uh, you know Joe Harvey or whatever. Uh, but different class as a player, uh, he was that. He was he, he could come up with something, whereas you know you might just knock it to each other and all that. But if you gave it him, you know that he could, could take people on and he could create something else and give the ball to people in better positions. Mm. But what a shame! Uh, what a shame! He only played played I think thirty three games for Newcastle, but they idolise him up there. Whoever speaks to me from Newcastle from time to time, he always gets a mention. And it was different class. I felt so sad. It's one of the saddest days of my life when uh, he's coming out of the training ground and he just, I think I spoke to him and he just said, I've got to pack in. I've got to retire. And that was heartbreaking for him because he was different class. He was. What and age was he when he had to retire? I would say, uh, Gary, about sort of, uh, I'd say 27-ish. Yeah. I think I, I was just older than him. Yeah. yeah, a few months older than him. Yeah, but he's yeah, but he had the best years in front of him. Mm. He wasn't like thirty-one, thirty-two, getting older. He was in peak form. He was, yeah. I would say about twenty-six, twenty-seven, which is a nightmare. Because that's the age that you really are coming into your own. Them are your um, them are your days, and that you're twenty-six, you're twenty-seven. Them are your best days. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. He was sadly missed. Mm. Sadly missed. It's not easy replacing somebody like him, is it? Scottish international. He got skills to die for, and he was a great team team player, and he was a great teammate as well. He's very, very funny. Uh, yeah, he was probably the funniest I've, in the dressing rooms I've been with. Is Tony? He was always up to some mischief and having a go at people, and you know, taking it back. He was a great lad to have to be around. But what a player! And I just think that speaks volumes, doesn't it? That you've got a player that's played just over 30 games yeah. for one of the greatest clubs in the world. Because Newcastle are one of, one of the greats, aren't they? They're a massive club, great supporters. When you're a legend in a great club and you'd only played something like 30 games, yeah. that says and that suggests that you are different gravy. Yeah. I mean, everybody you speak to there, yeah. Joe. Uh, Tony Green, best player Newcastle's ever had. The full stop. Yeah. Nobody goes, well, what about so-and-so? What about over the years? What about in the the first cup and all that sort of stuff? No. Everybody, point blank, is the best player Newcastle's ever signed. So that says a lot, doesn't it? You know, for, it certainly for does. Tony. What also... And, uh, what also says a lot that you played Liverpool early doors next season. <laughs> you bloody well beaten, <laughs> didn't you? Did we? Yeah, did we? <laughs> yeah. I, I can't remember the score, and I'm sure that the, uh, the, the the Geordie faithful certainly would remember the score, remember the game. But uh, I was looking through, and it was a case of a little bit too late that. But isn't, isn't that just the way that you play games against a team like Liverpool? You smash them at St James's Park, you have close encounters, yeah. you play them in a final, doesn't quite go your way. Next game you play them, you beat them. It's just football, isn't it? And that's yeah, why it's yeah. the greatest game in the world, Pat. Yeah, 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 you're right there. I know I was captain of Newcastle once uh, for quite a while, actually, Gary, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for about what eight or nine months, uh, and uh, we we played uh, Liverpool at Newcastle, and we we managed to beat them four two. So that was it. Uh, we, that was got back at them a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, being captain of that team, me and Emily Neal shaking hands and all the best and all that, and we we sorted them out that night. But they were a, a team to 
you know, watch your back, weren't they? Really. There. One an embarrassing moment I had at, at Liverpool was that uh, we're coming out, we're coming out at Liverpool down the steps and stuff like that. And what it was, they have a sign here. This is Anfield, don't yeah. they? The, the yeah, sign. They and I don't know if I was trying to pull it to something like that, but I tripped up. I slipped on them steps going down before you go up the steps onto the pitch. So I, I've, I, I'm, I'm trying to walk. And I, I can't walk properly. I've not hurt my ankle or anything like that. I've broken two studs in, in my right boot. So then I've, I've gone back up the steps, got the boot off. And as, this is as we both teams are coming out. And I've gone up back into our dressing room. And Keith Birkinshaw's there. And he says, what, what are you doing? Get out of the pit. I says, I've, I've just fallen down the steps there. And I've broken two studs. And right, all oh, right, get him off now. Get him off. Uh, didn't have a spare pair of boots in them days, yeah. so there we are. So time's ticking away. He's he's trying to, you know, with the screw, whatever he's got there, trying to unscrew it and get it out and put one in. Well, two of them. So eventually, after about five or seven minutes, uh, I'm in, I'm in the dressing room there, like so, and I can hear a noise outside, and I thought, all oh, right, yeah. So anyway, I've got my boots and I've tied them up and I've gone out, down the steps, up the steps, and I'm on the line side. So the, the referee's looking at me, right, can I come on? So then I go on, and, uh, you know, I go to my position, because Newcastle started with 10, yeah. and Keegan came up to me and says, where have you been? I says, did you not see me fall down the steps there? I made a right feel of myself. He says, no, I didn't know you'd done that. He says, oh, by the way, gosh, I scored. So I thought, all right, thanks, Kevin. Thanks for that message, yeah. Yeah, so for tumbling down the stairs and going to get my boots done and coming out on the pitch, Liverpool had scored. And I, I think they went on to beat us 2-0 or 3-0, I think. Yeah, so that was an embarrassing moment, coming falling down the stairs, really, and breaking two studs in my boots. So I always remember Liverpool for that. <laughs> Happy days, Pat. Yeah. What a wonderful... I don't know if you can help on this one. Go on, mate. I think Newcastle, uh, no, not Newcastle, Birmingham City, Liverpool won a, an amazing run of wins. Yep. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, we went there with Birmingham and we, we beat them, I think we beat them 2-0 to end that long-running uh, winning of matches at Liverpool. I might be wrong, but I think it was with with Birmingham that we brought that record for them sort of thing so but uh, yeah going back into the 70s early doors probably that season 73-74 Birmingham got beat 4-3 at Liverpool and I believe Bob Atten had a goal disallowed for offside that was a goal but you know what it's like even before VAR <laughs> the big clubs have always got that you know I wouldn't say the linesmen in the pocket but they do funnily enough get those decisions don't they so we got beat that day we did I, I, I think you're absolutely right we certainly beat Liverpool 3-2 at Anfield and I think that's the game that you're talking about you I think th it is I yeah. think Keith, Keith Birchin played in that game that's right he did because yeah. Birch was saying what we'd done we went 3-0 up against Liverpool which was that quite was... a silly thing to do <laughs> <laughs> and, and it really really wound them up <laughs> and they come at us and got two goals back but we held on and ran out 3-2 winners but it, it's very difficult to identify when it was a great run of Liverpool because Liverpool's great run started in about 1960 when Bill Shankly took over <laughs> and ended in 19, I don't know, about 1992, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, they are an institution, aren't they, uh, Liverpool yeah, Football that. Club? But some some great memories there, Pat. Um, yeah, was it, that was the game I'm, I'm trying to talk about there, wasn't it? I doubt that you where you just said that, yeah, that's how it was, wasn't it? Yeah. We ended up 3-2, didn't we? Yeah, we did, that yeah. Were it. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, it's nice to win there. I, I, I think that's probably, I might have won once with Newcastle. Uh, no, I'm not sure. No, they always used to sort us out league games going there. They're always very wary of, uh, you know, going there and they, they used to attack 
Yeah, some good players, aren't they? A good team. Oh, Liverpool have, have been for years, haven't they? What an, you know, a great side. And then when, look, I, I guess really probably with, with Shankly, he'd built two teams at Liverpool. He was probably looking at building that third team as well. And, and sometimes you look at that and you think, is it the right time? And, uh, you know, he, he did retire in the July, but, but led uh, Liverpool out in the infamous Charity Shield game. Of, uh, of 1974 when Kevin got sent off alongside Billy oh, Bremner. <laughs> yeah, there was trouble on there, weren't there? Oh, Liverpool have always been in the news, haven't they? <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. That was a brutal game as well, wasn't it? Yeah, you know? Johnny Giles swung at uh, Kevin, didn't he? Yeah, he Kevin. did, yeah. Yeah, that was a bit naughty as well, wasn't it, that yeah. one? Yeah. Yeah. Pat, it's been a wonderful trip down memory lane, sir. Yeah. Can, can I thank you so much for your time? I've enjoyed it, mate. Honestly, I really enjoy having a natter with you. Absolutely. Likewise, the feeling's mutual, and we'll hook up again shortly for another yeah. game of your life. Yeah. Well, I think we I've got notes here we could go on forever, couldn't we? Go on forever. Well, but if you've is... got them notes, you give me them notes and you roll them out now. <laughs> we'll go on for it. We'll go on in extra time if you've got some notes to uh, reminisce with. Well, it's just that you know the game itself. All right, we get beat and stuff like that, and then you you go back to the hotel, don't you? We were in the Russell Russell Hotel, and like it's been a bad day, but then anyway, we go up to the room and we obviously change change our gear. Uh, we've got suits and all that sort of stuff, and then it's quite funny, really. When I came back down, and all my family's there, me uh, my wife. Uh, my mum and dad and my sister and, uh, and her husband, they're all there and I go to the bar for drinks and uh, it, it's a mixture of drinks, a big tray like yeah. and I, I'm, I'm all all nicely done kind of thing colour and tie and all that and as I turn around, somebody walked into me and knocked all the drinks <laughs> from head to toe all over me and I just thought to myself right, I'm not having the best of day am I? <laughs> <laughs> And then my mum and dad, my mum and dad forgot the name of the hotel they were in. So we had to, a bit later in the night, we had to have a ride round to try to find out where they were. So it was one of them little jobs. I didn't want it to sound like that. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, meeting Princess Anne and that uh, in line there is 100,000 there. It's been viewed all throughout the world. It is the big time. It is the big time. And meeting her... She was very, very, very nice, very polite. And, uh, yeah, i just so sorry, though. I think my last line would be to you, uh, Gabby, is I'm just so sorry that we couldn't win that. Mm. But unbelievable supporters of Newcastle United. They're the best fans in the world. They certainly are up there, aren't they? Always have been and always will. You know, you could put, I think Tommy Doherty said this about Aston Villa, you could put a, a, a you know, a, a clothesline across and, you know, that um, with with 11 Newcastle United shirts and there'd probably be 50,000 turn up to watch that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, just just last couple of things, yeah. Uh, during the game, as, as it's 3-0 and John Toshak came up to me, he says, Pat, he says, uh, yeah, we're doing well, aren't we, kind of thing. And I thought, all oh, right, what's he talking about? He says, do you mind if we swap shirts after the game? Which I thought was nice from his point of view. Yeah. It was his idea. So then I've swapped shirts with John. And, uh, yeah, I've got, a, I've got a, new, a winning FA Cup final shirt, but I weren't in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a nice nice gesture of, of John Toshak, weren't it? Did you, um, you know, collect many shirts, Pat, during your career? I've got, I've got a few, Gabby, yeah. I've got a few. Yeah. That one. I'm I'm upstairs in my my office upstairs and yeah. it's just in the it's just in the drawer here, just here. But it's been there all these years. Wow. And I, I look I look in to get some information about, you know, the cup final and the referee and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And yeah, it's surprising what you keep, isn't it? Over the years. I've got five cup final programmes here, so yeah. But it, it was a an honour to be able to play at Wembley and just, you know, like I say, just sorry that we couldn't get the, the cup. And you, but, need, you need to put all these memories in a book, Pat. 
<laughs> You've often said that to me before. Yeah, I you? think you should. I think all professional footballers should yeah. because they're they're all unique stories you've played in and against, and there's that many different situations that you've been in during your career. I think they're for genuine fans. Um, they would love to pick up that book and read it. It's a it's a it's a memento, isn't it, of what you you gave those supporters as a player back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but great to speak to you, mate. Honestly, top man. I really enjoyed it. Best regards to uh, Alan. And if you ever see Keith Burton or anybody that you think I might know, give him my best wishes, mate. And uh, many thanks for the call. Will do. Just as we're leaving, what was the greatest game that you ever played in? The, I, I would say that that semi-final win. Yeah. Against you know that was my my me as a kid. That is, I wanted to get to Wembley. Yeah. You know that beating Burnley mm. uh, was the the greatest game to win that one. And we we've spoken before. It was an absolute honour. Uh, maybe 18 months before we went uh, playing in Hong Kong and we were playing against Pelly and that to mm. me says it all doesn't it you know mm. like these are these are things you could only dream of playing in an FA Cup final and then playing against Pelly Pelly and his team in Hong Kong these are things that you know that, that you play the game for but yeah. I was I was fortunate I got to the top whereas a lot of players maybe might not just be quite good enough to get to that next level. But then it opens all doors, doesn't it? FA Cup final. A couple of years later, the League Cup final against Man City. We could go on and on forever, couldn't we? Well, we've (laughs) got a couple of games that we're going to revisit. That uh, that, that Cup final against Man City. We'll have a a chat about that. We'll have a chat about the game in Hong Kong against uh, Pele. And you also had a couple of decent games in America for Portland Timbers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I went out there for... I was probably there four or five months playing their their season. Yeah. I was on on loan. And we got to the semi-final. And the New York Cosmos, we got them in the semi-final. But, yeah, that was an experience of a lifetime going there. But I think... I don't think I timed it well, Gabby. I'd played nearly all the games uh, for Birmingham in the season. Then James Smith called me in. They they would have wanted to buy me. And I said, well, look, I'll go out on loan. And so I'd had a full season in England. Then I go there and I play another 22, 23 matches there, which I played a lot of football in that particular year. Mm. My first game back, is it funnily enough, against Liverpool. And, uh, you know, I went down... On, on my knee and I, I ended up having to have a cartilage operation but I think I put it all down to too much football Yeah. and then coming back and your muscles weren't quite right and my, lee, my, my knee caved in and I had to end up you know, having a cartilage but they didn't find out it was a cartilage problem for about three or four or five weeks in them days so they had that done and then before you know it like the season's coming to an end but it's it's a lifestyle that you never forget, isn't it? You know, being a professional footballer, I'm one of the very, very lucky ones to have uh, made the grade. Absolutely, because again, you're right, in those days, things wasn't diagnosed. I mean, what he said at one of his clubs, had a gynecologist who was his doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Says it all about the organisation of football in the 70s, doesn't it? <laughs> Really? On on that note, we will reconvene and we'll talk about another game of my life. Can't be bad, mate. Cheers, Mocha. Thanks, Pat. Lovely to speak to you, Gabby. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 B